Here on the Planted Podcast, we don't shy away from tackling tough issues or try to make false images of ourselves. We think there's enough of that going on in the world today. As a matter of fact, the inspiration behind this podcast is to speak to and inspire regular folks through personal stories that being real, being vulnerable, and being true to ourselves is not weak. Actually, it's quite the opposite. We believe that true strength is revealed through our ability to continue to grow through our struggle. And we want this podcast to serve as a reminder that in our darkest hours, when we can't see the way out, when our backs are up against the wall and it feels like life has us buried, we've only been planted. Welcome back, everybody, to Planted Podcast, episode number 10 with Pastor Simon Fussnecker. This is our Father's Day special. Happy to be here with my co-host, Dustin Hensley, and Simon Fussnecker. Pastor Simon Fussnecker. All right. Uh, Dustin, you got a little bio on Simon. Yeah, man, he wouldn't come off a whole lot, but he did let us know that he he was being all humble and modest today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, he said he let us know that he was a uh, husband of 51 years, a father of three children, and uh, he's an ordained bishop in the uh, Church of God. And uh, a little bit about how that I've come to know. Uh, pastors. Let me just say that his yep. shoe game is on point it, too. It, it yes, al- it always it is yes. on I point. I try to stay together, man. Yeah, yeah. He, he always does. His his uh, his, uh, his his gears always been tight. Let's yeah, just say that, yeah, all through the years, ever since I've <laughs> yeah. known him, and that's you've uh, known him a while, right? I've known him a yeah. long time, yeah, long time. Yeah. And uh, so I started attending the church he was on staff at when I was 15 years old, and and nobody dressed flyer than than Pastor Simon. <laughs> yes, that's, that's just you know yeah, suits. That was the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, back at uh, the old Princeton Pike yes, church. Yes, the old Pike. Yeah. Yeah, when it was over there uh, where the, the vineyard used to be. I guess they're not there anymore there. Uh, right. But, yeah, way up on, what way is that? That's west on Princeton now. Right, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, though, yeah, man, he, uh, yeah, and he's all, he's he just keeps it 100 all the time, and that's, that's yeah. what I, You know, Dustin, I still got all them suits, man. I don't, you know, we don't wear them in church now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, who knows if the Lord calls me out on the revival, Outcomes of my style. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't no doubt. <laughs> well, if you need a little armor bear. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> somebody to, somebody to you know, flex every yes. now and then. You let me know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, John, um, tell us a little bit about uh, what's been going on with the week. Man, trying to keep it low-key. Uh, so much going on. It was nice to I – mean, we've had great – weather of course um which we really needed but just taking it easy we, we spent some time not really practicing social distancing but we got to head out to our buddy wes's house for a big picnic party this past weekend and that was much needed i haven't i needed that social interaction haven't had it in a while well you didn't play i don't know why you didn't why didn't you play volleyball man what were you you're out there just I don't know. Just, I don't know what you were doing, so, but there were like ten of us out there just really going hard. Mm-hmm. We played four games of volleyball. I just wow. want you to know that my team won <laughs> three of the four. We were the champs. <laughs> mm. It felt really good. Um, we were we were 
you know, the next day we were texting, trying to figure out what league we were going to join. And (laughs) (laughs) we thought we were professionals. Yeah. Uh, Come to find out the net wasn't regulation or anything like Mm. that. So that's why I could jump so high. But uh, Um, anyway, that's that's what I did. And uh, done a little yard work around the house, just keeping it low key. Nice. How about you? Yeah, it's been okay. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you, man. The, the uh, I didn't get out there uh, doing the volleyball, volleyball, well, because um, <laughs> because uh, you know it it tends to add about you know ten or fifteen years to my to my age for about the next three or four days. <laughs> you know, so you know, so I just took it easy and lounged around. You know, I was a little sore. Not gonna lie, it wasn't it wasn't until. So we played Saturday, and it wasn't until Monday that I was actually feeling it, mm-hmm. like in the back of the knees, top of the calves. Yeah, you know, yeah. bunch of man. I mean, we had fifty year olds out there, close to forty, yeah. couple couple younger guys, but and you guys were going hard. We were going hard, you know. And I know me, uh, I you know I'm I'm never gonna let myself look bad. So if I, I'm gonna go hard too, and I just you know I didn't. When want you're pay, a competitor, I, that's I what you do, I man. I didn't want to look. I didn't want to pay for it. <laughs> Well, you look you look good sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, that was one bill I didn't want to pay. Yeah, <laughs> so I set yeah. that one out. <laughs> what else this week? Anything else? Nah, not much, man. I've just been taking it, trying to trying not to get caught up in anything. Trying to just keep my headspace right, and um, you know, so yeah, just trying to just have a kind of a, if you will, a normal week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of nice. Yeah, it hasn't been bad. So. <clears throat> Pastor Simon, what you had going on this week? Well, my week was kind of busy, man. I cut the grass today, you know, <laughs> and she's got me painting and doing a lot of honeydew things, you know. So, all right, uh, I still climb around on ladders and stuff. Do well, man. I, I hung her a uh, bench for the back, one of the wooden swinging benches. Yeah. So uh, she's been crying for that for twenty years. So I finally got her one up. And that's about it, man. Just kicking around the house. All right. Very nice. That's how you kept her around for 51. Long you time, gotta, yeah. You got to keep promising yeah, her yeah. these things. Keep them 20 years yeah, out. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when I married her, man, she was a baby, yeah. you know. So I taught her how to drive and got her driver's license. So she kind we fit right in together. That's awesome. <laughs> that's good stuff. That's awesome. So let's um, let's get right into the story, you know, Pastor Simon. So... Um, tell us a little bit about like, you know, let's go way back into like how things were, were like where you grew up, what things were like when you were like a little kid, like okay. what kind of house did you come up in? Like what, you know, how many brothers and sisters, like way back in the very beginning. Okay. <clears throat> well, uh, if I, I could be all night, but I'll try to cut it short, <laughs> Dustin. Uh, I was born and raised in downtown Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, there was a place called the, uh, Laura Holmes, which is. Government project. So I was born into projects, uh, lived there most of my life. Used to hang out at Washington Park. That was uh, where I'm, my wife lived up the street on six, on 13th Street. Mm-hmm. So uh, there were six of us in the family, mom and dad and six kids. Went to a school called Washburn School down on Armory and Lynn. Used to hang out at uh, Crosley Fields, Finley Market. So I'm a downtown Cincinnati resident. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, just uh, grew up in the city, and as as we got older, uh, we never owned a house. You mentioned something about a house. Never owned a house, man. We moved constantly. Uh, Dad was a uh, painter, didn't have a lot of education, but he was a hard worker. And we just moved, man, wherever it was comfortable. Mm-hmm. Went to all the city schools. 
Gotcha. Uh, so after, uh, when I was about 15, well, I was 15. Hold on, hold on. Don't, don't okay. get too fast now. Don't okay, get too so fast. That's my early time. I know. Man. All right. So now, so <clears throat> what's that, in the 50s, around the 50s? I was born in 48. Okay. So that was so in the 50s. So you grew up yeah. into the 50s. Yep. Now, mm-hmm. was it the downtown area and the projects, was it was it rougher? Uh, kind of like, you know, because. Well, yeah, it was rough. It was a different type of rough. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you can understand that everybody had gangs. Okay. You know, and I was in four or five gangs as a kid coming up. If you weren't in a gang, you didn't have a family. Okay. So, you know, your family was the gang you grew up in. Mm-hmm. And I was in a gang called the Vine Street Cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in one when I was a real young boy uh, uh, in a little small gang. I guess I was seven or eight was the first one, Montrose. And uh, so I grew up in gangs, kind of, okay. you know. And uh, in the city, you had to be attached to a gang. I don't know how it is now. Uh, but that's the way it was back in the day. Yeah. Now, were were those gangs um, committing some crimes and some oh, petty yes. stuff? Or? Yeah, always, man. Yeah. Okay. Always getting in trouble. Always committing crimes. Always fighting. And uh, in, in the areas that... See, in Cincinnati years ago, it was... Uh, Communities. If you weren't from a particular community, you couldn't go in there. You would get hooked. Um, somebody's going to tighten you up. So you had to stay in your own community. Gotcha. It's, I don't like, it's not like that now. It's kind of spread out. Yeah. So And that's why you had gangs. You had territories like. Gotcha. Now, was that was that gang life kind of appealing because there might have been some instability at, at in your own home? Was there some things going on there? That, oh, yeah, man. Mom yeah. and dad was always fighting. Mm-hmm. Great people, loved sure. them both, but they could never just, no harmony. Sure. You know, and of course, they divorced, uh, got remarried, and it never was the same. They, and then they divorced again, so rough life. And when you're growing up in the projects, you don't have a whole lot. Sure. So you look for other things out of the house. Mm-hmm. And you don't get a lot of attention, man, with six kids. <laughs> and I was, I was caught right in the middle. Yeah. So it uh, wasn't much at home. When had, I was real young, yeah. You and all, and your brothers and sisters had to fend for yourself, probably. Well, that was it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mom didn't work. She did at times, but Dad did his best. Man, he did work hard. He worked every day. Mm-hmm. wasn't enough. Yeah, I got that. You ever sneak into a Reds game? Many times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, many times, man. And I hung out down there to uh, uh, make a lot of money. We hustled money up and down. Uh, down to the old Crosley Fields, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it was a wonderful time down there, yeah, many times. And, of course, I worked on Finley Street. I worked down at uh, uh, Finley Market selling shopping bags, man, when, when I was six or seven, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Made a lot of money. Yeah. And it was all proprietors had shoes hanging out on the sidewalks. You know how they do in the cities. And, of course— I'm not proud of my background. I'm just telling you what it was like. Sure. We would steal everything we could, man, and then we would sell that. So, sure. Oh, you know, for sure. That was a normal life for you. It was normal, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It, I never thought of doing anything bad. Uh, we would go down in the city. We would, because we lived right there in the city. So, a lot of stores were down there. Like, for, for an example, Shillitoe's was a big store, covered the whole block. And we would, and it was the first ones to have like escalators and stuff. And so we'd go in there, man, in the summertime with big coats on and fill up everything we could. Right. You know, so it was part of the, all of us. We, you know, all the kids in the city did. Yeah. Well, it was, it was probably, you know, much the culture, sounds yes, like. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time in, in the youth center right there on 2020 Auburn Avenue. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh, uh, that's where all the guys went. Right. 
What were some of the other jobs or hustles you were getting into as a as oh, a youngster? I, I right got, there in the city as a young Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I, I was a shoeshine boy. I had a, a uh, I always worked. Yeah. had a hustle going. Yeah. Some things we don't want to talk about, but what I can talk about is uh, uh, I know I built me a little shoeshine uh, kit, and I used to spit shine shoes, really spit shine them back yeah. in the day, see, spit shine. And I went through all the bars in the city, and most of the drunks, the guys, all the drunks would pay you tons of money. Yeah. And I would go way late in the night, you know, working in shining shoes, carry the paper down in the city, man. And then when I didn't have a route, I would just go out on the corner because we had all the papers on the, on, on, uh, on the corner, you know. Just take the papers out and start selling them. Yeah. You know, keep the money. Wow. You know, always had a hustle going. Man, I can yeah. hear Johnny Cash in the background yeah. right now. Get rid of them. Yes. And then we worked, <laughs> I worked out at the old General Hospital, which is now the uh, University Hospital. Okay. And uh, on, on Saturday and uh, Sunday, I would get uh, papers in there. That was a, that was a legit job. I'd get like a hundred papers. I would sell them up and down the wards, because it ha- it was a state hospital and it didn't have rooms. It had just long curtains like in wards. Your if you've ever been in it, it's still kind of in the old basement. Mm. Uh, looks like it used to look. Wow. So oh, I had a ton of jobs. Yeah, worked yeah. worked at, at a lot of different jobs. I uh, uh, worked at some of the department stores, you know, stocking stuff when I was a kid. Worked at some of the little grocery stores, stocking the uh, canned goods and the shelves, and just a lot of. I was always busy, always working. Matter of fact, I would rather make money than go to school. I hated school. Sure. I can't remember anybody in school. Wow. Uh, I skipped my first day of school, man. You know, it was we was living in different uh, projects at that time. We had lived up in uh, English Woods, which I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's another project. Uh, it's tore down now, so and that was kind of upgrade. It was nice. So the first day of school, the teacher man would come out with a bell and ring, and, and, and that's when school started. See, it wasn't cowboy days, but it was old school. And uh, so I told this little guy named Gary Thompson, I, I've never met him since. He may be around. I said, look, man, I'm not going to school today. I'm going to skip school. And uh, he said, well, I got to go. I said, no, I want you to go with me, man. And so he had a nice green suit on. Or he, his mom had bought him, man. And, you know, I think back at this. If I could find the guy, I'd tell him, look, I'm sorry. So I beat him up, man, made him go with me. Mm. Uh, never liked school, always skipped school, just uh, didn't care for school at all. I liked the streets. I liked the guys I hung with. And uh, uh, so when that year was over, we, I was not even a year. I was right back down in the city. Well, they both are in the city. But when I, when I talk about city, I'm talking about downtown Cincinnati. Right. Uh, the suburbs like Elmwood and all around. I don't refer to, mm-hmm. to that as being I mean, a city. You, yeah, you were talking downtown. You were da- talking yeah downtown, Thirteenth right. and yeah, Washington Park. Park. Yeah, yeah, Washington Park. Yeah, so uh, Washington Park is where my wife went to school. Just there's a little school called Peasley, and she went to school there. We never knew each other as kids. Right. I met her when I got back from the war. Right. Mm. So uh, a, a very crazy kid's life, but I had fun as a kid. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the guys, not at home, no home life. Yeah, you said that was bad, and you mentioned your, it was bad. Yeah, yeah you mentioned your parents um, divorcing, getting um, got remarried, remarried yep. and then divorcing again. I got a divorce. Yeah. What was surrounding all of that? Was there just was well, Dad drank a lot. Uh, uh, you know, he always drank. It didn't interfere with his work. He did work. All the guys he worked with drank. Uh, 
you know, I'm German. A descent. Everybody in downtown was German. Yeah. The Germans built Cincinnati. Sure. So all of them was drunk always. I remember my granddaddy starting in early in the morning. Mm-hmm. So they was all drinkers. Yeah. Uh, and, and mom just, I don't know, man, she just, they couldn't get along. They just constantly, mom would fight. Mom had some, I think she had too many kids too quick. They, she was 16 and dad was 17 when they got married, see. So uh, mom was in the, she was in the hospital a few times with her nerves. Man, she couldn't make it. Yeah. Back and forth, all they would do is fight, you know. She turned out to be a good Christian woman uh, later on in life because uh, they, they got another divorce, you know, on the second time around. Right. And then dad died at 46 of uh, alcohol. He drank himself to death, man. You How old were you? Uh, let's see. I was married. I was married at that time. So I would have been in my early 20s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Early 20s, yeah. The doctor called me one day. He said, look, when this event took place, said, said, when's the last time you seen your dad? And I said, I don't know. It's been a while because I was married at the time now. I'd already been to Vietnam and back. And uh, he said, well, he's down here at the hospital, down here at Bethesda. And uh, he, uh, he he's dying. That's what you mean, he's dying. So well, he's got cirrhosis. His liver is split open. He said, if he stays on the right diet, he may live six months, but he's not going to live. So my wife and I went down and seen him. So look, Dad, how you been? Blah, blah. I hadn't seen him in a long time. And we was going down to Kentucky for the weekend. I said, well, look, when we come back and you get out on Monday, you're going to come live with us. We'll take care of you. He got out of, on Friday night, went out drinking. And doctor told him, if you go out drink, if you drink, you could die tomorrow, tonight. And he went out. And like that week, Tuesday or Wednesday, he never did get out of the hospital. Mm. He, uh, it killed him. Wow. So the alcohol killed him. He, he, he was always drinking. Back in the old days, man, we'd get the glass jugs. All the, all the men did. Fill them up. you go down, sit at the bar, drink all night. And the handle jugs, glass handle jugs, fill that up w- with beer, man, for a buck. See, get one to go home. Yep. You know, I can remember him always coming home with a jug. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Mm. Wow. But they never got long. They, they knew each other since they were eight and nine as kids in the city. But but they just never got along. Yeah. I think my grandmother may have had a lot to do with it. She uh, she was always arguing with my father and my and my, my them two would get on him together. See, uh, in law problem can always be a problem. Tag team. Tag yeah. team, man. Yeah. <laughs> now was your uh, grandmother in the house? Oh, no, no. We had lived with them several times because we didn't have a place to live. She would take us in. They did well. I got you. My granddaddy, Simon, who I'm named after, was a businessman. He did pretty good. Okay. And his wife. But see, my old granny constantly tightening up my dad and mom. He never stood a chance. Is that your mom's? That's her mama, yeah. I got you. Okay. You know, and all of them were individually wonderful people. Sure. But they wasn't getting along. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. For sure. All right. So then... um, you leave home uh, after they get divorced the second time. You're mm-hmm. about 15, right? Well, no, I was actually a little younger than that. What happened, oh, okay. Dustin? Here's what happened. All right. So my, my grandparents owned a restaurant, man, down in Kentucky, and they got in an accident. That's Grandpa Simon. And they got their legs broken and everything. I was 13, and they needed somebody to go down and help them. I said, that'd be me because I ain't going to school. I hated school. Right. So off I go with them down in Kentucky. And I'm working in this restaurant now full-time, man. It was 1962. I got my Social Security card and no school. I ain't going to school. And I'm working in a restaurant 14, 16 hours a day, running it, basically, 
for these guys, my grandparents, you know, doing all the cooking, all the mopping, all that type of thing. You know, my, my granddaddy was a chef, and he did very well uh, in the business for years he did. So I hung out on that job for a long time, maybe close to a year. Okay, I'm 14 now, yeah. So, and I went, I got some trouble down that way, went to jail a couple times, man. I had a cousin came down and visited me. Every time he came around, we got in trouble. So, uh, the time. yeah, we got in trouble. Went <laughs> I to, did too. Went to jail down in the state, man, was mistreated in the jail because we were northern boys, them hillbillies. I shouldn't say it like that, but country boys <laughs> didn't like the city boys. There you go. So, uh, so uh, after this, man, I, my mom and dad, this is when they got their second marriage right here. I'm about 14 now. So we're going to get remarried, and we're going west. And uh, we're taking the family, and we're going to start over. We're going to California. And said, Russell, they called me Russell all the time. So that's my middle name, Simon Russell. Said, Russell, you want to go with us? Because we think we can have a nice life and get a nice home. So I said, yeah, because you know, I wanted a nice family life. Sure. So uh, we jumped in a, a 55 Buick, my Oldsmobile, 55, 55 Oldsmobile, eight of us in it. And we get to travel into California. And so I left Granny and Paul. They was back on their feet pretty well. And I said, I'm going, man, I'm, you know, they're doing good. They got remarried. It's time to get a nice home. Kind of like a storybook. So we stopped in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and got some cousins out there, way, my mom's cousins. So why don't you just stay right here in Albuquerque, man? We, we'll hook you up. And so we stayed in Albuquerque. That didn't work out too good for nobody. Uh, we were seven or eight months there. So they put me back in school. I said, I'll go to school, okay. I go into the eighth grade. And uh, I went to a little school called Van Buren right there in Albuquerque. And uh, uh, it was terrible, man. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Got in trouble out that way. Went to jail out there. So from that point on, I said, I'm not dealing with no more school and I'm not staying at home. Because mom and dad are leaving now, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And they got a divorce because all they did was fight out there. Mm -hmm. So they got a divorce. So that's when I went to Toledo, man. Went up to Toledo. Okay. Worked at the racetrack up there uh, for thoroughbred horses. And I started, got a job mocking stalls. Now, real quick, you was completely on your own. I'm on my own, man, yeah. 100%. I'm on, wow. Yeah. I'm on my own now. I may have just turned 15 now, by now. So I'm on my own. I, I sleep in the uh, tack room. That's above the uh, barns. You know, they got tack rooms where guys so stay. Keep the sound. That's where all the guys. Yeah. Yeah. So and above they got little rooms up there. So that's where I stayed, man. I was mocking stalls, you know, cleaning stalls. Yeah. And I learned. Uh, the owner came to me one day. Said, "Look, you ever cause skinny boy? I was skinny boy. Uh, jockeys are real light, but if you're if you're light uh, in body, you can't race them, but you can exercise them." Mm -hmm. Said, have you ever thought about exercising racehorses? I said, yeah, how much does it pay? Because I knew it paid more. Uh, he said, I'm going to start training you if you want. I said, okay. So after about a month or something, I fell off many times, got real good at it, and I exercised these, got this raise, man. All I did was exercise these guys' uh, horses. He had 18 of them. And I would exercise them and be done for the day. It was beautiful. Yeah. So I did that for a long time. And my cousin, the one always comes around, get, we get in trouble, see? <laughs> He ends up in Toledo. He said, man, I got something going on. I said, what is it, you know? And I, now all these years, Dustin, I have been in detention and in jail maybe 20, 30 times. I don't even know. Right. 
different breaking and entering and just, just doing a lot of hustle sure. that I haven't told you about. But now I'm getting pretty clean, see, and I'm kind of almost an adult now. And, I, you know, I got away from them, trying to hold a job. Yeah. So he got an apartment down on 15th Street in Toledo. And, uh, no, 13th Street. We move in together, man. Mm. And it started over. Yeah. We robbed a couple joints. It just got all out of hand. Lost my job, went to jail. You know, so uh, I'm back in Cincinnati, and he, he stayed in jail. They got him on some other charges I wasn't involved with. So I bought me a 48 Pontiac. It was my first car. I paid $75 for that car down on Vine Street. Wow. And so uh, I was still 15 because I knew when I was 16 I needed that ride because I was going to go west or something. And so I got that 48 Pontiac, man, and I was 16. Now I'm driving it. Still on my own, you know, making money. Well, it started wearing me out, man. Got in more trouble. Lost my car. I just, uh, uh, things weren't right. I, I had a ton of jobs that we haven't talked about. But that was kind of my, my career was beginning to grow. Well, the war was coming out. Now the war's out. Guys are getting drafted. Uh, now I'm 17, driving, just doing anything, staying with anybody, running anywhere, um, going to St. Louis and hanging out in St. Louis and doing some bad things and just traveling kind of. So uh, when the war broke out, man, I said, I got to go to the Army. I, I can't hardly take care of myself or I'm going to end up in jail the rest mm -hmm. of my life. Right. And I didn't want to do that. Uh, and I was on, I had been on probation for years. Uh, when I was going to school, if we got in, when I was young, if we did anything wrong, the principal was not allowed to correct us, me and my brothers. He had to call our probation officer. And I remember having a probation officer at eight, nine years old. Wow. They would take us into the youth center for two weeks every time we messed up because we, we wouldn't take any dis no discipline. I mean, we wouldn't. We If the principal said, I'm going to give you a swat or something, said, no, you're not going to do that, man. And we just wouldn't go along with the program. Right, right. So it's always been on probation, you know. A uh, couple times I got picked up for being violating that and back to the joint. Just small stuff, no long term though. Right. Uh, so uh, when the war broke out, I turned 18 on July the 18th, uh, 1966. I, w I joined the Army down to Federal Building. You signed up. Signed up. Wow. I, I was in a little trouble at the time. Judge, judge said, you know, you got a couple options. You can go down the hall, down to Federal Building. You can join the service, and I was going to do that anyway. I need a place to live, and I said you can uh, you can do that. I said okay. So uh, if not, and I see you back in this courtroom, we got some problems we got to deal with. Mm -hmm. I said I need a place to sleep anyway. You know, I was living anywhere I could. Yeah. And uh, of course, you know, I'm a minister now, so uh, I mean, I don't want to just cast all my, my pearl out, man. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll try to stay as good. I've asked the Lord to forgive me for many things in life. I'm not proud of my past. Ain't no doubt. Just telling you what it is. Yeah. So uh, I joined the military, man, and uh, spent a year training. Uh, and uh, I was a paratrooper. Uh, went with the 82nd Airborne Division down Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And uh, had a lot of went to uh, Fort Hill, Oklahoma for artillery. So after I got done with my uh, uh, my military or my uh, jump school, came came home for a thirty day leave, went to Vietnam, and spent a year. The, the time back then was a tour of duty was twelve months, so I spent a year in Vietnam, 
the guys I went over with was all infantry. Uh, there was 252 of us went over in my company, and at the end of the year, there was 12 came back. Wow. Now, they weren't all killed, but uh, I was there during the Tet Offensive, which was the, the worst part of the war. Yeah. Uh, and, she, and as a paratrooper, you're in the thick of it. Oh, I'm in the thick of it, yeah. I was stationed in a little place called Way, and that's right on the demilitarized zone, three, three miles on the demilitarized zone. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I was in North Vietnam twice across the DMZ. Wow. Into it and back, which is says a lot if, if you're military, you know. So, uh, and then a lot of guys got busted, some got killed, uh, and got back to the state. So I came back alive. I almost went to jail there too, because I came out of the field and I had two weeks left. And uh, I'm loaded up, man. I got an M16 on me and loaded up. And some of the guys were drunk, and uh, me being a paratrooper, anybody else. If you're a paratrooper, you refer to them as legs, you know. And so there's a lot of jealousy in between military guys. Okay. So a few of these guys came in, and uh, uh, I was getting ready to go on duty, man. I was posting guard. I was a sergeant getting ready to post some guard, and they began giving me problems. And when that happened, you know, they kind of came at me. They was drunk, and I began flashbacking, man. I had an M16, so I— I'm beginning to beat these guys with this 16, see, just right out, uh, uh, just automatically I did. Mm -hmm. So, man, I had two weeks left, and I thought, man, the old me's coming out now, you know. I've been in the military now two years. So I can't got time for this. So uh, I went before a court-martial, man, a general court-martial. Uh, no sweating. I got out of the military with three years of brilliant, excellent duty. So I went in there, and they said, look, I had a little New York lawyer said, this is my first case. I said, you what? And uh, he said, but I'm good. And he was drafted. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, so I go in, man. There's five officers sitting. A lot of folk don't know it. Is it, it. If you know me out there, you may just now be learning this. So uh, some of the family may not know it. So they're all grown, no problem. So I go in. These five officers are sitting there, man. I'm, I'm all shined up. I got my— I got my jump boots on, all spit shine. I kind of look like a man, see. I've got my stuff on, see. got my wings, silver wings, which means a lot if you, if you know anything about military. So uh, I'm ready to go home. So I spent a year in combat, so I'm ready to go come home. Sure. Do these up. Uh, man, we was 10 minutes in there. My lawyer was good. He did step up. These guys were all bandaged up. And I feel off. I've asked the Lord to forgive me for that. Sure. Now, they did attack me. And I'm not, I didn't need to handle them the way I did. It was a, just an automatic deal. I was from the streets, and I was trained to do that. It was something that just happened. So uh, my lawyer got up hey, and told him. Don't it say in the Bible, you mess with the bull, you get the horns? <laughs> no, I don't know where <laughs> no, that's happening. Yeah, I've been reading, I've been yeah, reading somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's in the book of Justin, yeah, five yeah. or six. So, uh, uh, so what happened, man, my lawyer stood up. Did a New York style delivery. He was drafted. He's a military man now, and stood up. And said we're going. We're going to take five minutes and be right back out. So I'm shaking in my boots, man. Sure. Thinking at least send me home. And uh, so uh, uh, came out. Said, look, I'm standing at attention, <laughs> scared, man. Said uh, we're going to send you home, soldier. Said uh, we understand you've been trained. We do understand you did not start this situation that night. And uh, 
he looked over at my lawyer and said, when can he be on the next plane to, to uh, the United States? So, man, in 24 hours, I'm flying into the United States. They got me right out. So they cut me a week short, you know. Uh, but but that was I thought I felt at that time. Look, it's the old me coming out, and it wasn't the old me. It was post traumatic stress already setting in on me, mm. and I've suffered with that man since the since the war. And there are times I've really gotten into deep problems with that. Uh, so anyway, I come on back. Am I talking too much, man? Uh, no, no, I just want to let you know that. Uh, but in man, Be- Becky just texted me and said, "Call her before you leave." Oh, man. she did. Okay, yeah. <laughs> You see who I work she for, said, man. Yeah. She said, did you, you tell her okay? She said, yeah. She said, uh, I forgot my phone. Got your phone. I always forget my phone, man. Sometimes on purpose. I yeah. don't care for the phone. Yeah, well, she, so, she, uh, well, she know how to track you down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, here we go, man. I'm, I'm, I'm flying back to the States. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, this is wonderful. Now, were you already married to Becky at this point? Getting ready to okay. marry her. Getting All ready right. to marry her, man. Yeah. So now I don't know nothing about church or nothing. We go down to the church. And I send my little brother in, man. I said, look, Ricky. And he's still in jail. He just he's his thirtieth year. He's in Florida, getting ready to get out. And uh, I, you know, I prayed about that because I taught him a lot. Uh, but he's had the opportunity, sure. and, and he hadn't straightened himself up. I get it. Uh, I got a letter from him last week. Said he's getting out on the sixteenth. He's gonna come live with me. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, you're not coming with me. I'm not like I used to be. See, right. so uh, uh, I was sending him in. I'm getting on another track now. But w- little church down the street. I knew, man, they would go in and collect money on their Sunday school class set the money out in the hall. I sent little Ricky in. Little Ricky, go get all that money and bring that money out. Yeah. So we hustled the churches that way. Yeah. And then we went out to Lockland Baptist. My granny would put me on the bus. Lockland Baptist is, uh, what's the name of it now? The big one out there, man, on the expressway. Or uh, Solid Rock or something? No, it's a big Baptist church. Oh, big Baptist church. Landmark Baptist. Okay. Used to be called Lachlan Baptist. Okay. So they had city buses picking up all the poor kids like we do nowadays. Mm-hmm. So we get on the bus, go out to Lachlan Baptist, and when the church started in the winter times when we made our money, all the old ladies would hang their coats up, and they you know, what they had in there besides snot rags, they would hang them out in the closets out. You don't you didn't take them inside and hang them on pews. Right. Seat. And we get dollar bills, bubble gum, change, and all that, and plus snot rags they always put in there. So uh, that was a way to make money, yeah. you know, and we were seven, eight years old, little guys. So let me get back to the story. Here I hit the States. All right. And, uh, and, and, and you know, back in them days, everything was crazy. Sure. I mean, the hippies were nuts. We brought marijuana. See, in Vietnam, we stayed high. Marijuana grew over there. I mean, every day we would wake up. What we, what we call a nickel bag. I don't think they got nickel bags. And then, uh, and the government, uh, John, would, would supply beer to us. They would ship it in on pirates. And, and they kept us drunk. Folk don't know that. Free of charge. Free, what? free of charge. Free of charge, man, yeah. They kept us drunk because we, if you know anything about the history, they, they kept us out of North Vietnam. We could have took North Vietnam at any time. Mm-hmm. But they kept us. It was political war. So we stayed drunk. We stayed high. And so when I got back to the States, everybody else was high uh, back in them days. It was all hippies. Now, if you know what a hippie is, man, and everybody's got the peace signs up. They're burning flags at the airports, spitting on GIs. Mm. See, the the, uh, the Vietnam vet was never welcomed home. Right. Never. Out of all of our troops in any war, there was no celebrations, no recognition, no happy days. So if you ever meet a Vietnam vet, the first thing you tell him, man, is welcome home. 
because they were not welcome. They hated the Vietnam vets, mm. and we were drafted. There's never been a draft since. So if you're 18 years old and out of the military, you are drafted. You had to go. And so it was a terrible time in this country. So I got out of the Army, and I came. I wasn't out yet, but I came into Cincinnati, and my uncle had a little shop. And uh, he said, come on down, man. Look at my little parlor I got. He opened him up a little little, 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 little creamy whip-like parlor. And I said, okay, I'm going to come on down. And there was this young lady working. And I said, hey, what's up? You know, well, that was my wife-to-be. That was Becky. Yeah. And she was 16, man. She was 16. I said, hey, what's going on? And her daddy was old-time preacher, see. Old-school preacher, too. Throwing it down type preacher. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, he pastored six or eight churches all down south. And he was old at this time. It was up. She was the baby of six. And, and she was very young compared to the other kids. So I started dating her, man. You know, what's up? Can You want to go with me? First time I took her, I was up in a bar. Uh, and I said, come on, go up. You want to go with me? She said, okay. You know. So I took her to a, to a bar. And I think it's the first time she ever been in a bar. Because I ordered a double bourbon something. I said, what well, do you want? She said, I take a Coke, you know. I said, Coke? What do you want in it? So just a coke. So and I'm smoking, man, and doing my thing, you know. So I said, uh, you, "Do you smoke?" And so I think she was just trying to be big time. Say, "Yeah." So I, she didn't know what kind of cigarettes was even. And back in there, we had a machine. Back in the old days, drop in a quarter, get yeah. a pack. So anyway, now this is all happening fast. See, yeah, see, very fast. Well, uh, oh, and I didn't tell you. I can't tell you everything in life, man. When I was a teenager, <laughs> I made a lot of my money. I was in, in a lot of bar groups and stuff. Uh, I, uh, when I was a kid, 15 especially, uh, I was in a few bands. Okay. Matter of fact, a drummer to my band will come around every once in a while. I've known him since he was a kid. He went to Vietnam. And uh, we were singing bars, man. Made $25 a night on a Friday night, Saturday night, made 50 bucks, which was big money. Uh, so I made a lot of money uh, doing gigs like that. Okay. And uh, I was a lead singer in an old rock and roll group and stuff. Okay. So, uh, well, several bands. So getting back to uh, getting back uh, to uh, Becky, man, here we are. Uh, now, like I only told you half of my occupations, not even half. All right. So I'm just speeding this thing up, man. So uh, here I go with her, man. I'm, I'm dating her. We, I go down and meet mom and dad. So I go in this old town preacher. I, I go in and say, what's up? You know, and then <laughs> he looked at me now. He's got on a white shirt, man, and a pencil and stuff, and he's retired now. Yeah. I think this is a businessman or something, you know. And uh, he said, uh, son, are you saved? I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and of course, you know, I said, now I sin, you know, because I didn't know the details about church or nothing. Right. I said, I'm a safe sinner. He just looked, man. He just looked. <laughs> like, what? So he was cool with me. He thought, nah, y'all don't mess this up or nothing. I just stayed cool with him. And so I lit up a cigarette. I said, where's the ashtray? And so my mother-in-law, her mama, she came over and she had got a saucer out of the uh, kitchen sink, man, because nobody smoked around there, you know. So I'm laying back, just a dude. We were, we were called hoods back in the day. We yeah. were hoods. Yeah. Uh, greasers. Yeah. Leathers. And I had big pompadours and all that. We weren't like the modern day kids. Yeah. Uh, so here I am, man, and they just treated me nice, and I loved it. So only knew her two weeks. I said, I got to leave next week. I'm going down to Virginia, and I had can't. I had terminated airborne. I'm not a paratrooper now. I, I, I went out of the army. I said, Look, I don't want no more. 
I'm, I just want to try to get out, man, if I can. Well, of course I couldn't. I'm in over two years now, and I had a commitment of three years. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm going, why don't you just come on go with me? I don't think I asked her to marry me, as far as I can remember. And she, <laughs> she can't remember. She will remember. She's only sixteen, man. Yeah, it's, and I knew everything. She didn't know a whole lot like the kid. Right. So um, <laughs> that happened. I married her in three weeks from the day I met her, and twenty-one days later we were married. That's smooth. And I had a night. I went out, and paid cash for a nineteen sixty-one uh, La Sabre Buick, two-tone, baby blue, white, mm-hmm. and this was in nineteen sixty-eight. So yeah. the car wasn't that old. Mm-hmm. Looking good. Uh, married her. I said, we're going to go down to Virginia Beach. <clears throat> That's where we're stationed. And so I spent a whole year there. I cut that story short. Yep. We spent a year, her and I, All right. and then came back to Cincinnati. All right. And then I could go on and on, man. I don't know what you're looking for. Well, the Lord talked to me one day, so they all went to church. So, yeah, tell me, yeah so, so you're kind of attracted to her family, right? Yeah, well, my family's broke up and gone. Yeah, my dad's gone. Dad, yeah. My dad's getting ready to die here this year. He died when I okay. came back. That's so right. He, he was only in his 40s. Yeah, and he died a, a really horrible, yeah. like he looked bad. Like he just swelled up, yeah. had, had the poison coming out of him where they get, you mm-hmm. know, from the drinking. And so now I married him when I was 20, so I'm 21. Right. Did, okay. what, what did her parents think about her taking off to Virginia at 16 with you? Well, everybody asked that same question. <laughs> I, got, I got girls. Well, her mother, yeah. Nobody can figure that out. He was, he was, they, they was both retired and older. And uh, uh, her mother said when she met me, because I, I had a lot of personality, man. I got that from the street. Mm-hmm. I dressed in continental clothes. I, was, I had nice, I wasn't sloppy. Right. I put on nice rags. I had my clothes. I would have my clothes all pressed. Dry clean and starch. I was a hood, uh, so they th- was very well impressed. I had a nice car, and uh, uh, so I remember I got a lot of that money from gambling in the military, taking cats' money. So I had a little loan shark going on too. Mm. Uh, a lot of stuff. Got to so, have a side hustle. So they did. I think Papa. I call him Papa. So he, he was kind of getting dementia or something. He's kind of out of it, but with you. You know, he's not gone. And then Mama, I called her Mama, man. She did. She just was country. She had married him at fourteen. Mm, yeah, that, wow. that's what they did back in the day. Yep. See, and fifty-two years ago, man, people got married at sixteen wasn't no problem. Mm-hmm. That sounds crazy nowadays, but uh, two things: you get married when the women had to get married. They wanted to get married and just have babies. <laughs> back in the day, and if a kid got a high school education, that was the best thing that would ever happen to him. No one even got out of high school. Where I was from, down in the blocks. Yeah. So uh, it just happened, man, and and they seemed to be happy with it. I, I think, yeah, Papa had I called him Papa. He had his doubts, but uh, he, she was the last one. The other kids was grown and had kids, so it just had, he'd be 120 now if he was living. I don't even know. Yeah. Wow. So I married before him, man. You, before you go on, I got ask I got ask sure. a two part question here. What is it? What kind of cigarettes did you smoke and did you roll them in your sleeve? I did. I put them in my sleeve. <laughs> I did, man. That's a good question. You know what the Shanana guys was like yeah. back in the day. So yeah. Uh uh and I'm gonna answer that, but you know, back in the day we rub grease in our hair, rub it back. Now check this out. I still have to this day at my house a half a jar of my grease I use this down where I was being used. Pomade was the name of it. Pomade. So yeah, grease that in every day and roll it back and they pull the front down a little. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I smoked all everything, John. I smoked Lucky Strikes, Camels, uh, every brand through the years. 
my, I guess for the longest time I spoke camels and the little short stubbies. No filter. Filters were not out in them days. I remember when filters later came out. Mm-hmm. All cigarettes were small, you know, very cheap, easy to buy. Uh, so, uh, oh, wow. That, that was the picture I had was the Lucky Strikes and rolled, strike, rolled right yeah. into the, to the yeah, sleeve side. Yeah, the sleeve. He's right. He's right on time. Uh, just had to, I, had to make sure I was had that right image. You had it, man. Yeah, and I smoked Luckies for a long time. So uh, uh, that was it. Oh, we all looked alike. We have, And in them days, man, early days, we had pegged pants. They were uh, like Levi's, you know, Levi's. Tights would would wear white t shirts, man. Oh, it was yeah. a style, yeah. You know, and uh, it's crazy. You, you got the picture, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So where I'm at with you, man. So All we right, got so, married. We're back in Cincinnati. All right. So you're back in Cincinnati. So, so what I got here is so now you don't I'm, know a whole lot. I didn't tell you a lot of things in my life for prior sure. to that. Yeah, but I got the I got a gist of the beginning. Yeah. So so what I'm gathering, man, is is a really rough start. To be honest. Oh, very difficult. A man. very rough start. No man. home life, yeah. No home life, no real like mentors, no no direction. I mean, right. y- you know, a lot of turmoil, yeah. you know, in the beginning, especially you know, that's a that's a rough come up, yes, man. Uh-huh. That's a rough come up. Yeah. To be in, to come up in poverty, to come up without a that strong father figure, mm-hmm. to come up without that direction, that yeah. alcoholism in the home, that, yeah. that kind of neglect and things like that going on. Um, not that your people wasn't good. I'm no, not good saying people, that. Yeah. I'm not saying that. Poor people. Yeah, I'm poor, with yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that. And then the gang, the gang the life, gangs. and the, the the criminal activity, and then the the PTSD from the war, and the and just all that kind of stuff. And then the obviously there's some anger issues deep yes. inside there from mm-hmm. what was you know what you did to the to the five guys that you know in the court martial and mm-hmm. and and all that that was going on. Um, you know, surprise some anxiety and, and all that kind of thing. And then, you know, so so I got this picture of a person in my mind that that is not the same dude that's sitting here today. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely not. Because yes. you you are you are kind. I'm calm. Humble. Yes. I mean, I mean, you try got a little, fl- try you got to be, a little yeah. flair, but man, yeah. I mean, and that's mostly just Just don't just wake funny. me up too soon, ain't man. No doubt, you know, ain't no doubt. Uh, but for the most part, man, you yeah. like you got like a gentle spirit, and, mm-hmm. but you don't seem angry. You don't seem no. uptight. You don't seem like rawr. Um, tell me what happened. Man. Tell, well, tell what, us what happened. Yeah. Well, what happened was uh, a couple things I'm missing, but I'm not going to bring them in. So. I started go, kind of going to church. Got a job the first day out, man. I, I'm down there with my in-laws. So we, I need to go to work. Oh, no sweat, because I could get a job. Right. So I went down and got oh, a job. No <laughs> I went down and got a job around the corner down there at a factory. And I came in. I said, well, I'll start Monday. And, oh, great. So where are you going to work at? I said, well, I got a job a place down there called Parkland Gamble. So I got a job at P&G, man, in one day. Started Monday, made great money. Of course, I never heard of P&G, you know, and I'm making great money. Did that a few years, and I didn't care for factory work. But let me get back to Jesus now. So I'm going to church meanwhile, and I had heard him preaching about, look, you give money, and the Lord will give it back. When you give the Lord money, you sow money into the church, you're going to reap it. It's going to come back. So coming from where I came from, I thought, I'm going to start dumping money in this. It's like gambling. You know, I'm thinking, put it in, get it back. Like pulling one of them arms, man. It's like a hustle. So, yeah. That's great. So I, when we was first married, I'm paying my tithe, man. I got a couple kids now. I'm paying tithe. Uh, and I watched this preacher, and he was a great preacher, man. 
and I got under conviction, see, and uh, started going on a regular basis. Now I'm in the automobile business. Three or four other, uh, other jobs I had got through. I'm, I'm selling automobiles all over Corrine Avenue, making big money, old school. You know, got the suits, dressed dressed up nice, man. Uh, made good money. Worked at every car lot in town. Ran a lot of car lots. I was general manager of a ton of car lots. Well, I'm going to church all this time. And... Uh, all of a sudden, man, all the girls was praying for me. The mamas was praying, Lord, get him in church. Becky's going to church now with the kids. Got two of the kids. Scott wasn't born quite yet. He may have been, just a little. Yeah, he was, yeah. So all three of them's going to was church with uh, with uh, Becky. So uh, they're praying, Lord, whatever it takes. And you don't want the mamas to pray for you. When they pray whatever it takes, it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, sure. so all of a sudden, man, I lose my job. And I worked at every car lot in the city. I was a GM at most of them. And when I would leave one job, I would pick the phone up and say, yeah, send me a car over. I'd go to another lot, already hit. Lot boy come over, change the tags while I'm there, and then holler at the owners, hey, look, I quit. And I'd be gone, see. So uh, I lost this job, and I had furniture. I'd sold the Lincolns at the time, man. And I'd get a couple Lincolns furnished, one for me and Becky. And a lot of times I'd just keep her in one as much as I could. And I'm doing it halfway decent. Well, it got tough. Business got tough in the early 80s, and the business fell out. Recession kind of hit, and, and mom-and-pop stores kind of like what's happening now uh, began folding. Business got tough. Nobody was selling anything. And that's when the Lord took over. Uh, all of a sudden, here I am flat on my back, no ride. Uh, I'm at home. And I had a little business up there, too. I had clean. I had run the vending up there. I emptied out all that onto the floor, took all that. I always had something hustle. So now I'm at home, no place to go. Uh, and Becky had a yard sale that week. And uh, my daughter, I don't know. You, you know my daughter? You met her, Kim? I, I don't think I've met her. No. Well, she comes around once in a while. She needs to be in church. If you're hearing this, girl, you need to get in church. <laughs> so... Uh, she sold at this yard sale. I had a basket, man, uh, full of my booze, mm. and she sold all my booze. So now I'm mad. I come home. I ain't got no job or something. I wanted to get drunk. So where's my basket of booze at? She said, well, I sold it in the yard sale. I said, you what? She said, yeah, I got $6 for it. I said, you sold all my booze for $6. Lord's working on me heavy, man. So I, Sunday's coming around. I thought, well, let me go to church, man. And the Lord moved on me. I'm in church. I, you know, I accepted Christ. I always knew him, it seemed like. Like everybody knows God, it seems like. But they don't know him. You know, there's scripture that says one day that he'll divide. Uh, and he'll he'll say uh, to folk in the scripture, depart from me for I never knew you. And uh, folk will say, well, you know us. We've laid hands on the sick. We've fed the hungry, visited those in jail. And he'll say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. See, there's a difference. A lot of folk know his name, but he doesn't know them. Oh, he created us all. He knows us in that sense, but there's no communication. Right. Okay, no, let me get on without preaching. Now, check this out. Now, I go in church, and I, give, I actually give my heart to the Lord, and I begin serving him. Broke as I could be. See, the Lord knew he had to get me out of the automobile business. Because if you came on the lot when I was in the automobile business, you gave, you sacrificed everything back in that day. Your house, your kids, I was getting it all. 
I was getting it all. And my salesman, if, 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 when they worked for me, I would fire them if they didn't turn them over to me. I was out for it. And I, I knew I couldn't be in sales. Too crooked. For me, it was. So now, uh, and I'll, I'll skip through the years. I'm not doing anything. I remember a preacher one day saying, look, the, uh, Brother Fussnicker, would you, would you say the prayer for the offering? I said, no, I'm going to pass it to this guy. See, I'm still in leathers, and I'm still a hood-like, you know. But I'm, but I'm going to church. See, I'm convicted, you know, and I'm praying to God. Not outwardly, but I'm praying to God. Mm-hmm. And uh, so July, let's see, January 26, 1986, I'm sitting in a little church, a little Holy Ghost church, a little Pentecostal church. And in the old days, you know, folk would say, look, you need baptized in the Holy Ghost or baptism in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, see, that's subsequent to being saved. A lot of folk don't believe that, but that's how I believe. A lot of folk think you can accept Christ and you got it all. Well, see, I don't believe that. You may have it all. Even the devil knows Jesus Christ. But I believe there's more to ministry. For an example, what you guys are doing, this this is a ministry. I don't believe you can just say, yeah, Lord, I know you. Because, see, Christ died that we would, he has a plan for our life. We have a purpose in life. And if we don't fulfill, fulfill, fulfill that, you know, what's going to happen to us? Oh, Lord, I just knew your name. So I believe there's more than just knowing Christ as your Savior. Uh, so I'll pass that on. I said, now, these old-timers would get us up front, and they spoke in tongues and everything, you know, old Pentecostals. Uh, you need baptized with the Holy Ghost. I said, man, I don't even hardly know Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> Holy Ghost. You know, and back in the old days, people didn't say spirit. They, the, the Old Testament would always say Holy Ghost out of the King James. That's that's what was taught in the churches. Right. And it's all changed in the last 25 or 30 years. So uh, I said, look, I'm not going up there. I, I went up one time or two with them, and you got you get the Holy Ghost. You you baptize and all that. You need it. You need that power in ministry. So they tried me out this week. I said, I'm not going up there, man. I'm just going to sit right here. I, I love the Lord, but I'm not going up. And so I told, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you want me to have what they're talking about, this power in ministry, this Holy Ghost, this baptism in the Holy Ghost, you do it or I'm not going back up there. And when I made that statement, pow, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. January 26, 1986, it was over. From that day on, I began my ministry. Never looked back like a horse with uh, blinders on. Yeah. Never looked back at all. I called this guy that week. Well, first of all, I said, now, Lord, if you want me to preach, he told me, I want you to preach. You want me to preach? I didn't really have a Bible. I couldn't tell you where a book in the Bible was at. And he spoke to my spirit, not audibly, but to my spirit. So I said, if you want me to do that, you, you'll have to you had to prove it to me. You had to let me know some way. You know what a fleece is? If you put out a fleece, that means, well, if you put out something, say, you can do it right now, it's good. No, no, nothing wrong with it. Say, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, show me something. It's called a fleece. So, kind of uh, like a test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of. And he honors that. Because yeah. he see, now you're saying, hey, I, I hear you. So, man, I'll go down to the church. This old lady walks. She never did, uh, she never did talk at all. I walk out of the door. She said, Oh, Brother Fussdecker, a little short lady. I said, yes, sissy, what's up? She said, you know, you look just like a preacher. Hmm. And I'm looking at her, I'm thinking, oh. And I remember that conversation. 
Lord was showing me. So then that was it. I wouldn't take it because see where I was from, I would go and do my thing. I'm not going to take second seat and cry around, ask nobody to help me do nothing. So I was very independent. Always drove new cars, liked nice big houses, dressed nice. So I told, uh, I picked the phone up, I called this one preacher I knew, look, I say, look, man, God called me to preach. And he liked to drop the phone, see, he said, he what? And I said, but that's not what I'm calling you about. Uh, I got to I got to preach. So I need to have a revival. See, I'm in church. I know what all this is about. Yeah. He said, you want a revival at my church? I said, that's exactly what I want. He said, okay. He gave me five night revival, man, at his church. And I ain't never picked the Bible hardly up. So I go home and I, I told Becky, I said, man, look, God called me to preach. And of course, she almost fell down. Well, her daddy was up. Her daddy was uh -huh. a preacher. Now you're looking at the dude. See, and the hardest people to win over is your people. Oh, sure. You tell your wife how great you are, and she's saying, "Okay, yeah." She ain't telling you outward, but she's thinking. And anything you say will be held against you, dog. Are you with me? And they will have a leash on you. So that—that's the tough part when you go home. That's why you got to really be pure. See, the Bible says the pure in heart. Stay with me now. We'll see God. So you got to be pure. See, God ain't in no phony baloney. Mm -hmm. You can't jive, God. Nope. Ooh, that's what I'm talking about. Now, see, God created us, Dustin. Mm -hmm. We can't trick God. Mm -hmm. You can't trick your people. Nope. So they got to know you for what you are. I'm basically the guy my wife married. My accent's a little better. You couldn't understand me when we got married. People couldn't understand me unless it was from my blocks. We all talk like that. A lot of people think that's southern, southern talk, but it's downtown talk, or Mississippi or Alabama, but it's city talk. Mm -hmm. uh, so be yourself. Continue to be who God created. Why would God create John? Why would he create you and want you to change yourself? He gave you your personality. He loves your personality. He made your personality. Too many folk get in church and want to play church. Yeah. And he wants you to be who you are. He can only use you when you decide to be who he created. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that kind of preach. So anyway, I'm back at the church, man. Uh, I said, I, don't, I said to God, you know, in my spirit, where, what should I preach? So he told me to go over to Revelation, third chapter. I'm telling you this, man, this happened. Wow. You know, I said, okay, third chapter. He said, I want you to preach on on the church of Laodicea. I'm thinking, I can't even say this word. You know, <laughs> you know, he's showing me this. I'm reading it. And I can't Revelation. I'm thinking. I don't even understand this. You know, so got that Bible, and I'm getting ready to go on my first uh, uh, night to preach, man. And Becky goes with me. You know, she's thinking, I know what she's thinking. Oh, where can I hide, you know? And so anyway, I studied that week. The Spirit of God moved on me, man, like never before. I laid that thing open. I threw it down for the Lord. When I had an altar call, it flooded. And I didn't even try to have an altar call. I said, look, now. And I preached every bit of it. I tore that up, man. I mean, I really did. It's like I only had like two weeks to study, but it's like I knew it all my life. Wow. Never missed a lick. Uh, very difficult preaching when you're preaching out of Revelation because yeah. you got a lot of problems out here. So uh, I had an altar call. I just simply said, look, if you want to know the Lord, this Lord that I serve, I want you to come on up here. I'm going to lay hands on you, and he's going to change your life. He's going to take you places you've never been. He's going to make a person out of you you never thought you could be. He'll take away all the problems in your life and make it just right. And I'm telling you what, the altar filled up. And I'm thinking, wow, God was moving in a big way, man. I was just laying hands on folk. They was getting saved. 
So anyway, I finished that five-night revival. But it was after I received that baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I had been going to church. A lot of folk were just going to church. Yeah. But they're not doing nothing. They have no ministries. And they're cold. And you say, do you love the Lord? Oh, I love the Lord. Well, what do you do for the Lord? What is it you? Oh, I don't know, man. I just go to church. I barely go to church, and then I, you know, I close the bar rooms up at night, and I do my thing. And I'm not coming against booze. That's not my problem. But I'm doing everything for the world and not my Lord. See, and he wants us to work for him, like you guys right now, ministry. And my ministry took off, man. I got on staff at some of the biggest churches in the city. From that day on, I, I never was a parishioner. I mean, parishioner, not in the pews. I was always on staff. I started preaching overseas, preaching around the states. God just opened doors up like crazy for me. And uh, Scott, at, at this time, was uh, Pastor Scott. He was maybe four or five years old when I had got had committed at the time. I'm thinking maybe he was five or six, and that's when I completely dedicated my life to the Lord. And and prior to that, I remember the kids asking me, he "said Dad, won't you go to church with us?" Mom put him up to that, see. And prior to that, she, I would go in the house. I'd come home there, and she would have radio stations, uh, Christian radio music on. I'd say, look, if I, ca- if I catch one more of them radios on, all that funny Christian music, I'm going to throw them out in the yard. And on top of that, if you keep them Christian guys, guys from the church you went to. I said, if they come up on the lot, like Jose was trying to get me in church, hey, Simon, how you doing? I said, I'm going to have them arrested. You know, that's how mean I was prior to getting in church now. So, uh, uh, because it wasn't real to me. Right. I had always sensed God, but it wasn't real. So anyway, man, my life turned around. I preached one time in Trinidad, and, and a girl, uh, I know we run out of time in a minute, man, here. I preached in, 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 uh, in Trinidad, and the church was filled up, and they have church over there. They fall out of out of the balcony and everything. They, 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 they know how to throw it down for Jesus. So we're having church, and when the service is over, God gave me this healing ministry, and, uh, and that's because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, because remember, John, here's what God, Jesus said. He's getting ready to be ascended to the Father. He's standing there with his 12 disciples. He said, what I want you guys to do is to go up on high and tarry, go up on Mount Zion and wait, in other words, tarry, until you receive power from the Holy Ghost. Well, now they didn't need to go receive Jesus because they're looking at him. They're talking to him. Hey, Jesus, when you leave, you know, what's going to happen? What about our ministry? Because he's getting ready to ascend back to the Father now. So they go up and they wait for three days in the upper room. And they, by the way, I preached the upper room three or four times, man, in Israel. So now here they're standing on, uh, waiting to be baptized with the Spirit. Well, a lot of folks think that being baptized with the Spirit, just something happens. They don't understand it. Now, I know I'm speaking kind of denominational, but it's all in all Bible. I'm not speaking denominational. I'm speaking Bible. I, I, I'm a member of this church right here, which is an independent church. Pastor Scott, you're a member here. We're, we're independent. We're non-denominational. I'm not speaking. I'm speaking Bible. But folk want to just, at times, they just want to get saved and say, I got it. That's it. And not say, well, Lord, what is it that I'm saved from? Or what is it you need me to do in life? What am I looking for now that I know you? You just can't know his name. Oh, a Jesus walks some 2,000 years ago. That won't get the job done. 
A lot of folk think that. I think that he has a plan for our life and it needs fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Now, it may be to your neighbor next door. It may be to somebody down, down at the grocery store. You may minister to somebody. It may be anywhere. But we all have a ministry. We just can't know Jesus' name. So he said, go up and tarry till you receive power. Now, there were three days waiting for the Spirit of God to move. And the Spirit of God fell, and they, it was like fire. And, and uh, uh, they began to speak in other tongues and other languages. Everybody could hear the preaching. Well, now, they didn't go find Jesus. They just talked to Jesus. So being saved, you don't get what he sent them up on the mountain to get. He said, go up and tarry or stay until you receive power in ministry. So some folk, you've seen them around, they have certain particular power, the gifts of the Spirit, you know, like knowledge and uh, healing and uh, tongues is least. Tongues shouldn't really not be spoken in the church. That's an independent thing, unless God would speak outwardly. But uh, a lot of folk overdo things in church, you know. You've seen folk get extra happy. They're just in their own self. You know, if they feel like jumping, go on ahead if it helps you. But that's not the Holy Spirit. That's you getting happy. Mm -hmm. Like you go down to the football game. Go on, help yourself. The only time the Spirit is in you moving like that is when you're slain in the Spirit. Now, when you're slain in the Spirit... God slays you. You have no control of that. But the rest, the clapping and the hallelujah and all that, you're within yourself. Right. See, the Spirit is subject to us. Isn't that cool? Now watch. Getting this power is what you need. That's what I got back in, in 86. I had got that that morning in the church. He gave me ministry power. Now, uh, not everybody's called to preach, but these guys that write these great books, these authors and stuff, these guys are not regular church attenders. They go to church, but they got that extra baptism. It's like when you get baptized in water. You go down, the old man is dead, you come up, the new one's alive. Well, the Spirit works the same way. We're human beings, but God is the Spirit. So when he baptizes us for power in the ministry, that's what ministers, that's where they're called at. Mm -hmm. See, now, that's not necessary to go to heaven. You can accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, talk to him and pray every day, and you're going to heaven. Don't get me wrong. There's a fine line there, but there's more than just accepting Christ. I don't know if I'm making sense or not. No. I'll follow you. Okay, if you're yeah, with me. I don't want to preach, you. man. But, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, then. What else you got? Yeah, all right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I, I could listen to you talk all day. Yeah, all day. Yeah, yeah. Really good. Um, I th so I think one thing I wanted to ask you about was I think that your that conversion experience, man. Yes. That, mm -hmm. I think that that was such an incredible experience, man, is I think without it and the type of father that you probably or likely would have been mm -hmm. would have been much different. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, uh, so I know I get the, the power of ministry and the, and the preaching and, 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 and doing all that. But I think that, you know, did it, did it seem to, what about the change on the inside as far as with the, some of the anger, the PTSD, the anxiety, because, well, yeah. Did you not take that out maybe on your kids? Never. When never. you would have? No. No, the kids, I never let anything interfere with my kids. Uh, I never whipped my kids, ever. Right. Never laid a hand on them. And only had one rule when, you know, when I began preaching, Scott was like six. 
uh, I gave them one thing that they had to do was go to church one day a week because when they were older, uh, you know, they was holding jobs and they had sports and uh, whatever. I say, look, you guys can do what you want, but you need to attend church once a week. See, now I'm pastoring. See, I've got a church. I'm pastoring. And, uh, you know, always the, the pastor's kids can be the worst sometimes. So and it was always respectful. Uh, my daughter was a little out of hand with her mouth. Uh, when she liked boys, she got about 13 or 14. It was a boy thing, see. Mm-hmm. So her and mom was constantly at it. But the boys, never a problem. Uh, Russ, you know Russ? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's my oldest son, mm-hmm. John. Uh, he, uh, Dustin, you know him. Oh, yeah. So uh, neither one of the boys were ever a problem. Uh, when they were young, man, I just said, look, I set the example. You need to be a gentleman. I've always been a gentleman. Folk who say they're Christians and they're not gentle with people, I can't see them being Christians because Christ said, the disciples said on that same event, well, how will they know uh, we're Christians? Christ said, they will know you for your love for one another. Mm. See, there's got to be a transformation take place. (laughs) There's got to be a change, man, like a butterfly from a cocoon to a butterfly. Same you. Jesus said, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to that world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove, now stay with me, prove what is that perfect will for your life. See, God says, try me. I will prove myself to you. Mm. And a lot of folk don't take that on. So he's saying, Try me, ask me, ask and the door will be open. Ask and you shall receive. So God wants us to ask. Now, when it came to my boys and my daughter, I raised them in church from that time on. And uh, uh, they've seen me crying to the Lord on the floor, laying hands on the sick. They've seen me lay hands through my ministry and and miracles have taken place right here in this church. Mm -hmm. There's been miracles taking place. Now, not me, but the Lord through me. Uh, so God's been great in, in the ministry. My kids had a great example in my house. My wife and I never was uh, dogmatic with them. We never pushed them to the extent to where they hated church. Uh, they wanted to get to church. Uh, matter of fact, Russ and Scott started a, a gospel group you remember very well when you was a kid. Yeah. And it was called Rage. Yeah. And they got up and did all this rapping. And, and they did this this thing all over the country, man. They, yeah. It was all over the country in church, you see. And then, uh, you know, I used to sing in the bar rooms. Uh, I didn't talk a lot about that. But I was an excellent singer. Couldn't read music or nothing. So when I, I had a group, Becky and I. And we had a five-piece group, so she would hum all the songs to me to give me the tune of them, or, you know, because I didn't know any of the church songs. And I would read the words, man, and we we had music out on the radio, gospel music, and working for the Lord. Yeah. Well, I did my kids the same way. I said, look, I never had to whip my kids. Ask them, Dustin. I never laid a hand on my children. They were, they were convicted. If, if they thought they hurt my feelings, man, they just— they couldn't hardly handle it, you know. I never screamed at them, you know. I just, I brought them up easy and made. Now they are men. I didn't know how to tighten up if they have to, but 
They're very gentle with people, and yeah. you know you know the boys. I do. Yeah. Uh, so Scott uh, Russ used to be my Sunday school teacher back in the day. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. yeah man. Uh, I mean, I was a little bit older at the time. I think yeah. I was, you know, fifteen, sixteen. But yeah, he. I had no at idea. Pike. Into yep. Pike, yeah. yeah. Oh, did he teach over there? He yeah. Did. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, wow, That's and they've cool. all been involved. In, matter of fact, they don't tell you. Uh, Russ is, is a. a Credential minister in the church. Yeah. Of course, you know Scott is. He's ordained minister in yeah. a couple denominations. Scott is. He's mm-hmm. got a little more credentials in other areas too. See. Man, I just think so, I just think that that is a fascinating turnaround from your childhood, yes. your bring up, uh, to mm-hmm. to have two sons um, that are so well respected in the community. Yes. Um, and do so well in their professional lives. Yes. And, and are serving God the way they are. Um, because you know, I, I had a, uh, myself, like I'm, it's hard for me not to take my own anxieties and angers and things like that Absolutely. out of my kids. I mean, it really Absolutely, is. Absolutely. Yes. It really is. Well, that's where it starts, Dustin. You know, you remember a few minutes ago, we was talking about at home. Yeah. That's where it's at. Mm-hmm. So you need to prove yourself at home, man. Absolutely. Or you'll never make it. Yeah. You will be always tagged. See, and uh, uh, if 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 your wife and the kids don't have faith in you, uh, you're a loser at that time. Because, see, here's what happens, man. And, and they, they'll probably listen to this uh, broadcast here, but uh, I don't talk to my kids a lot about being saved and what have you. I, I know they are. They've accepted the Lord, and they've been very involved in the ministry. I've never pressed them. But they need to see it from me. Now, I've got my ways, but that's what we need to overlook. If John and I go have lunch, John will be John. And I expect him to know me as Simon. You know, we're not so holy that we're getting raptured all at once. So that's the division we a lot of folk can't make. Uh, if you yourself always, mm-hmm. God created your personality, and you don't play church and get out and try to act like other preachers or like other folk in the church, you're going to be great because they know you for who you are. So years ago when I first got in the ministry, like right now, most pastors wouldn't tell their pastor like I'm telling them. Oh, sure. I would preach it from the platform. And a lot of folks say, you shouldn't all do it. And I said, for what? You know, it's better to be yourself and talk about your downfalls than how good you are and how how you're the man. Because, see, our righteousness is like filthy rags. We really nothing, man. Right. So if we if we come off like that, We'll lose a lot of people. For mm-hmm. sure. So, so that's the key. So at home, and I know the home life is with both of you guys. You know, you got to go home. You got to be yourself. That's where your attention is, man. <laughs> yeah, and I could have done a lot better. And, and, and if I had been a better man earlier in life, I may have. Then on the other hand, I know a lot of folk raised in church that are not even saved. I've had folk come up to me out on a revival or something, leaders in the church, after a hot sermon. I mean, a hot sermon and say, uh, preacher, I don't even know if I'm saved. Will you lead me to the Lord and leaders in the church? So uh, just be yourself and everything will be okay. Now, here's the deal on that PTSD. I still, I was probably one of the first guys in the state of Ohio to draw compensation on PTSD. I still struggle with that. Mm -hmm. I still have time, certain smells and scenes and and, uh, something like, well, for an example, last night, I'm looking at the clock at 1.30. And when the sun came up, I'm still looking. I'm not sleeping. Wow. You know, so I still have problems. And there are times that it's worse than others. And uh, then I have uh, 
you only know about 16th of my life. I ain't told you all everything. Sure. I have the chemical agent orange, a herbicide in my system. Uh, then I got a little scrap metal in Vietnam. There's a lot of things. But the Lord, you can't never tell when you talk to me. The Lord says, look, I'm going to handle that. Folk, folks will know you as a man of God. And uh, now we haven't talked about preaching tonight. We talked about me. That's, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, all I can say, man, is, is when my life turned around, it turned around. And, and like I can say to anybody, if you know, I'm not on a platform preacher right now, is, but if you can save me, why couldn't he save you? Sure. <laughs> what else you got, man? All right. Yeah, that was simple. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was good. Yeah. The last point. Last question I got mm-hmm. is, uh, so, I, you know, obviously I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Of right the, of the church or whatnot here because sure. I know you attend here and then you're you're then that's Foundation Community Church yeah and I'm on staff here you and know I'm associate and pastor on staff here and then your mm-hmm. son is the is the pastor. He's the lead pastor yeah, yeah. And, but you know from from all what what it looks like on the surface um, is is it looks like that that you know Scotty Scott Pastor Scott makes the uh, makes the calls man and that you don't try to control him or anything like that. But, no. I mean, you got the big credentials yeah. and you got the big yeah. personality. And I like to get up and preach because sometimes you, I, I hear him. I, I like to tag team with him. Yeah. Come on, son. Throw it down now. Yeah. I like to get up and preach, you know. <laughs> I know. And I got scriptures on my tongue. Yeah. And I have to stay cool as and, I can. And because, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about how that well, how that goes. Man. Yeah, I was his pastor for Do years. you get on him in the background? Uh, well, <laughs> we have discussions. Okay. But but he's never off the beat too much. He's pretty pretty, pretty he, straight. Well, up, you know. But uh, I was his pastor now now he's my pastor yeah, see yeah. which is difficult is, I was gonna say, is that's, that hard for you? that's the, that's the change in life man that's mm-hmm. the old time has got to get out of the way see because when i went to church and you remember when you started in church mm-hmm. it, the church is not like it is now no there wasn't no such thing as like where you go to church john them, them folk was going straight to hell there wasn't no churches like that I mean, it's to, would to have their shirts hanging out yeah man if i had a goatee in my church hanging out back in the old days they would Put me out of the church. Yeah. Crucify me. So now Scott's right on time. Pastor Scott's right on time. He's right with the, the folk right now. He's highly educated. Uh, he studied to show himself a proof. He has uh, a, a, a well-trained himself. And that's what we have to do mm-hmm. if we're going to get on a platform. Now, we're not worried about getting on a platform. Uh, and you know, your ministry is in another area. Then you can do your kind of your own thing. God will, will take that and work with it, see. But on the platform, they're looking at you, mm-hmm. and them eyes at you. Uh, well, the one thing I've learned with Scott is, you need to be a good father of the church. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the shepherd of a, of this church. These are your sheep, and folk are looking forward to that. When they come into this building, or they're sick in the hospital, they're looking for you to lay hands on them. And say, Lord, would you heal them? Dustin needs your help. Dustin loves you, Lord. Would you help him? Folk are looking for a shepherd. Jesus Christ was a shepherd. Mm-hmm. And so Scott does a well job at that. And I've never interfered with it because, see, God's called him, and I take second seat to that, and I honor his position, see. He always honored mine. Mm-hmm. So been no problem at all. Now, if God was to call me out tomorrow to open up a church, I'd probably go open it up. Yeah. But he hadn't used me in that area. My time's kind of up for pastoring. Yeah. I still do pastoral work. But a full-time pastor, I'm kind of chilled out. I hear you. Like coming over here tonight was a big deal for me. Okay. You know, I, yeah. You know, I'm just laying back. Yeah. And uh, 
I'm still doing a lot of funerals and weddings. I do a lot of I get a lot of calls on that. I do a ton of visitation. Uh, if we got any visitation, mostly in the church, I will make the visits at the hospital. Scott's busy, see, so sure. I'll, I'll run the hospital calls and stuff like that. So, and I'm content uh, and I'm happy with it. But he needs to be a father like you are. Let me give you this. I know we're running late now. Yeah, Maybe man. it'll be a two part, man. Check yeah. it out. Yeah, you're in combat. You and John are in combat. I don't know if you've been in the military or not, but go with me just for a minute. Mm -hmm. You're in Southeast Asia. You're a long way from home. And you're the point man on the hit squad. You're an infantryman. And you've got troops on your left and right. And you just got rotated to the point. It's dark out. And you're in the jungle. That's what that is out there. When you go out of these doors... You're in the jungle. Now, any move you make, Dustin, they're dependent on you. You're so close to the enemy, you can smell him. Any whisper, chaos could break out. Your platoon could be destroyed, or you could destroy the enemy. He could be hiding in caves, which the Vietnamese did a lot, or he could be snipers up in trees. But every move you make is a point, man. The flanks are dependent on you. They move when you move. And here you are at home. The kids is looking at dad. Dad's a point, man. The enemy's outside. The enemy comes to kill, stole, and destroy. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to cause you and your wife to get a divorce, get in the middle of the camp, and cause chaos. The devil's no dummy. The enemy's no dummy. He's crafty. He's cunning. So the point man has got to be tuned in with the Lord. You've got to have the blood of Jesus because any move you make in life will cause a direction on the flank and the enemy will destroy you. When you decide to be a gentleman, a Christian, the flank will follow you. The enemy can't overtake. Am I making any sense? A lot of sense. Yes. Makes some sense, man. man. So you're the point, man. Father's Day is coming up, and you're great fathers. God made you to be a leader. You're a military man. This is a great army we're in together. But without you leading the point, leading your platoon that you have at home, just your platoon, you're not the company. you got just your platoon, maybe a dozen men. You're out on a search and destroy mission without you leading them, man. They're not going to make it back home. That's your babies and your wife. And they're saying, yeah, dad, yes, dad, yes, dad. And you're saying, come on, I got this. Woo, let it lay down. <laughs> what else you got, man, about that's, dad? I, that's all I got. I, I think that's a great way to end. That's a I was tuned way. in. Yeah, tuned was, in. that got me tuned in. I'm kind of hyped up. <laughs> thank you so much Gosh, for coming out and sharing man, your story awesome. talking with us appreciate it, our listeners we really appreciate it well yeah. I'm proud of you guys and, and I know God has big plans for you this is only a beginning thank great you. Thank, thank you thank you very much very awesome Dustin you got any final thoughts or I, announcements I don't have any final thoughts uh, definitely have an announcement if you want um, any more um, of that more of the same um, Pastor Simon here does do a discovery hour at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning before the regular uh, church service starts um, here at Foundation and that's 100, Foundation Community Church, and that's 100 Sal Boulevard, 
uh, Trenton, Ohio, 45067. And then regular service starts at 1045 a.m. And we are in person. We are practicing um, social distancing. And um, right now, Pastor Scott is doing a sermon series called Guardrails. He just started it last week. So when this airs, he'll be in it. And, um, man, it was good. So uh, definitely come out and check it out. And that's all I got. Awesome. Thanks again. Keep on keeping on.